uh, or sorry, chapter number 10. Now, would you mind if I used this here because she can't see me when I'm standing behind that. So would that be okay if I'd use this? All right, and I'll just stand to the side here. Now, I know it's something different, but it's only for tonight. There we go. All right, we're in Luke chapter 10, and this is a story that I'm sure if you uh, got saved young and you've grown up in church, you've heard this story many a time, and it's always a, a blessing to hear it. But I believe there are some things in this story that perhaps maybe you didn't think of as you read through it. I, uh, I've not preached this sermon for a long time, uh, but it has been a blessing to my heart when God helped me to learn some things in regards to this story, and I pray it will be a blessing to you as well. Let's pray, and we'll just ask God to bless His Word tonight. Father, we thank You so much for the opportunity to be here uh, tonight at Wayside. Uh, I pray, Lord, that You'll be with Pastor as he's there with his wife and their newborn. What an exciting time for them. I pray that you'll be with uh, their son, Miles, and just help him to grow well and to do good, and the other sons as well. We just pray, God, that you'll use his family for your glory. And also, uh, Brother Donald and his wife. Uh, Lord, as I told the ladies tonight, I, when they were telling me about all of this, I told my wife, don't drink the water here. Uh, but we thank you, Lord, for blessing their families. We just pray, Lord, that you'll bless your word tonight. May you speak to our hearts about the greatest need of this world. Uh, I just pray that you'll guide in all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to begin in this uh, chapter in verse number 25, and we're just going to go down through this story. The Lord Jesus, uh, or the Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, isn't that the million-dollar question? What can I do? And in my Bible, I circled that word do because that seems to be what every religion is trying to answer or to tell you. This is what you have to do to have uh, a heaven as your home, and the list of things to do is endless. And so this young man asked this question. Now Jesus answers, and he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And Jesus answered in a very good way, because if you or I want to do something to get to heaven, the only thing that we could do is obey all of God's law. And that would mean you'd have to be a perfect person because God doesn't allow sin into heaven. And so you'd have to be perfect. But the problem is we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, as I've traveled all around, I've asked churches all over, how many sins do you have to do uh, to, to be a sinner? And most all the places I go, people will raise up one finger. 
but actually it should be zero because we're born in sin. It's already too late for us. My dad was a sinner. Uh, my mom was a sinner. My grandfather was a sinner. My great-grandfather was a sinner. Uh, Jesus, uh, he couldn't say that. His father was God the Father. He was holy without sin. So if you want to do something to go to heaven, you're going to have to obey all of God's laws. And that's what Jesus did. He directed him to the law, and he said, it, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he's, he answered, saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said to him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. And so he willing to justify himself because evidently he was feeling conviction inside. I don't think you could get near to Jesus Christ without feeling conviction. And he said, and who is my neighbor? Now that was his argument. Okay, I, well, I would do that, but who's my neighbor? You know, I don't know who my neighbor is. And Jesus then gave this wonderful story to help this man. But as I read this story, I see the whole work that is laid out before us uh, that we do in our church, church ministry. Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, I visited Israel a few years ago, and I noticed that anytime, wherever we were driving to Jerusalem, we went up in elevation. Anytime we left Jerusalem, we went down. Now, there are other places that are higher in elevation than Jerusalem in Israel, but when you go to Jerusalem, you're always going up. And so this man left Jerusalem, and it says he went down to Jericho. Now, that was the cursed city. At the time of Jesus, that was a very wicked city. And so here's this man on his way down, and he had left Jerusalem, which is the city of peace. It's kind of like all of humanity. Man sinned in the garden, a uh, garden he's been sinning ever since. Can you imagine the first uh, son born to Adam and Eve was a murderer? And then sin just continued and continued and continued until this day we live in a very sinful world. We're seeing things in our country that here in America that we've never seen before. You hate to even read the news about especially about all these shootings that are going on. It's just terrible. It's wickedness. And so it says he fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Isn't that the work of sin? It takes everything from you. Now, you would think when you see the movies or you see the advertisement that sin is probably pretty good. You know, if you do this, you're going to have a nice car with a beautiful young woman at your side. I always would tell our deaf in South Africa, I wish they would show, instead of putting up all of these advertisements, 
I wish they would show the, uh, for alcohol, I wish they would show the person down laying in his own vomit, lost his family, lost his children, lost his wife, lost his job. They never show that. You know, when we first got back to America, we've only been here since March 23rd. Uh, It isn't three months yet. And we always remembered Cracker Barrel. And we were looking forward to going to a Cracker Barrel. And we walked in there and everywhere was just being bombarded with advertisements for alcohol. I wrote, I like to do reviews uh, on places that we travel to, and I wrote that it's a shame that an American family restaurant has now become just like everywhere else. And when we were there, there were no children there. It was just older people, and pretty soon, I think they'll probably maybe lose a lot of business. I don't know. It was a bad decision. But that's sin. It takes everything. You think of the person who starts drugs. I always remember that one actor who was in one of the Indiana Jones movies, and I read that uh, he was so excited, you know, the popularity of that movie, and he was in that movie, and he went out with some friends one night, and all he did was try one drug, and like that, he fell over dead. They never show you that. They don't tell you that. Our young people in schools who get involved in all kinds of different things, and it sounds good, and their friends only talk about the good things, but sin is not good. It destroys. And I'm sure you can think about in your own life, maybe we've never been down into the depths of sin, but we were sinners nonetheless. And you don't have to be into the deepest sin to be a person who is condemned by God. God will not accept any sin, whether it's something light and simple or something deep and terrible. This man fell and the thieves stripped him of his raiment and they wounded him. And then they left. and They left him half dead. Now there was still a chance because he had half life. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, the priest is the representative of the law. Now, the law is good, but the law cannot save. It was never given to save. It was only given to point out that you have broken the law. It's very hard unchanging, strict. And so God gave that law, and as Paul said, it was a school teacher, a schoolmaster, to bring us to that point of understanding. Paul said, I didn't know that coveting was a sin until I read, thou shalt not covet. So God's law was given. And so here comes the priest, the law, if you will, who walks by and sees this man He's down in the depths, that's you and me in sin, and we have no hope, he's half dead, he's on the way out. But there's nothing the law can do, so he passes by on the other side. The next verse, it says, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. The Levites, why, they had the choir 
in the temple. They, the men, they led the worship of God. And you know, by the time Jesus came, it just become like a religion. And we can see that very clearly in how the Pharisees dealt with Jesus Christ. And so here was religion, if you will, that came down that road and saw that man. And religion can look and can tell you, well, you need to do more, you ought to do this, or you, you've not been in church enough, or you're not reading your Bible enough. But religion couldn't help him. Religion passed by on the other side. And then verse 33, it says, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed. Now you think of the Samaritans. They were the outcasts, the people that no one wanted. Now, I know that this church is a good Bible-teaching, Bible-studying church. And I know that you know that the Samaritan represents who? Who does that represent? Christ represents Jesus. Wasn't he hated? Nobody loved him. They didn't like him. Why? When it came to his arrest, everybody fled. And when he went to that judgment hall, there was only uh, Peter who denied him, who was there, and John was there for a, a little bit, but they just, they all left him. No one stayed with him. And so here comes this Samaritan as he journeyed and came. Look what it says. It came, he came where he was. Now there's something about doing ministry that you got to get down where people are in their sin. You don't get involved in their sin, but you don't get afraid to get there to reach them. Sometimes you're Feet get dirty. But, you know, Jesus gave us the example of washing the feet. We keep ourselves clean through the Word of God, but we don't get involved in that sin. But you have to get where people are. You know, I find that a lot of churches have an Old Testament missions mentality. And the Old Testament missions mentality was everyone come to the temple. And this is where you come to meet God. But when you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, where is God the Holy Spirit? He is in you. He's in me. And then what did Jesus say in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? He said, After that ye receive power, ye shall become witnesses unto me. And then he told them to go. Now we take God out into the world. You know, it's very interesting when you look at the story of creation. The Bible says that God created man in his image and in his likeness. That means that Adam reflected God. And God's desire was that Adam would multiply and so that everywhere on this earth would be the image, the likeness of God in the whole earth. The devil wasn't happy with that. He wanted people to worship him. He tempts Adam. Adam sinned. The likeness of God was lost. 
But what happens now when we accept Jesus as our Savior? We are transformed through the power of God, and the image of God is now, once again, within us. And we're to go out into the world and let people know. And Jesus here came right where He was. He saw Him, and it says that when He saw Him, He had compassion on Him. Isn't it amazing that we can be meeting for church here like you were meeting on Sunday morning and other countries around the world, they're meeting at the same time. Now, how can God be paying attention to all of that? I don't know. And people in those churches are praying, but God comes right. There might be a person somewhere, that some other country that someone is witnessing to, and that very moment God comes to them just as He came to you where you were there in that shame and stripped and wounded by sin. And then it says in verse number 34, He went to him. You see, the law couldn't help, so it passed by on one side. Religion couldn't help, it passed by on the other side. But when the Lord came along, He went right down to where you were. You know what happens many times in our Christian life? We get a lot of distance from that day we accepted Christ and we forget what it was like on the other side, don't we? We forget that. And we forget the joy that we had that moment. Do you remember that day you accepted Christ as your Savior? And the change that began happening in your life? Well, I didn't know that was sin. What's this I feel inside? Pastor, why do I feel this conviction? Well, that's the God, the Holy Spirit. He's convicting you. Well, why is He convicting you? Well, you must be doing something that God doesn't accept. He doesn't like that. Well, then why does He make me feel convicted? Because God wants to fellowship with you, and He can't fellowship when we have sin. Well, what do I have to do to get rid of it? You confess your sin to God. And He'll forgive you and He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And we grew and we grew in our walk with the, the Lord. We get too far away from that and we forget the wonder of salvation. He went to Him. He bound up His wounds. And then what does it say He did? He poured in the oil and the wine. Now, in the Bible, oil is an example of who? The Holy Spirit. You see, that's what happens when you accept Jesus as your Savior. The Holy Spirit comes in. God, Almighty God, that's a, a wonder to me, that Almighty God would live inside of us. And then He poured in not only the oil, but also the wine you remember what Jesus did that night before He was betrayed by Judas? What did He do with those disciples? He instituted something. What was that? It was the Lord's Supper. And what did He say? He said, this is the New Testament in my blood, the wine. And what was the purpose of that blood of Jesus Christ? 
It was to cleanse us from all sin. If Jesus had not shed his blood without the shedding of blood, the book of Hebrews says there's no remission of sin. And so we have the pouring in of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the oil and the wine, the Holy Spirit, and the blood of Christ that cleansed us, set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. I think that's very interesting that he took him to an inn. Now, if we're looking at this story and we see a priest that represents, well, first we see this guy who was beaten. That's you and me. We see the priest who is the law, can't help. We see religion, can't help. We see Christ who comes along and pours in the oil, the Holy Spirit, the wine, the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he takes him to an inn. What do you think the inn would be? Where do you think that inn would be? Hmm. Well, you and I are sitting in the inn. We were brought to that place where everyone who's saved needs to be. Why, we need church. We need that fellowship and the hearing and of the Word of God, but even more than that, we need to be in the place of the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ because He said in Matthew, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. Now, He's here tonight because we've gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. I wonder where He's sitting I don't know, but he's here, and he's with us. Isn't that a, a wonderful thought? That's why I never want to miss church, because there, I want to be in the presence of Jesus Christ, and he's here with us. So he brought this man to the inn, and on the morrow, so he stayed with him all that night long, and then when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host. So if the inn is the church, who is the host? Who would that be? Well, look what he told this host. He said, you take care of him. Now, who is the shepherd of your soul? Who is that? Who is the shepherd of your soul? Who is that? Well, it's Jesus Christ. And who is the under-shepherd who answers directly to the Lord Jesus Christ for you? Who is that? It's your pastor. And so the Lord Jesus brought him to the host, and he took out two pence, and he gave them that to this host, and he said, take care of him. Because of the responsibility. Now, what has God given? I really was very curious, and for a while I've been praying about this two pence. You know what? What is the two pence? And I, I believe it's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Because without those two, a pastor cannot succeed in ministry. And he, look what he said, Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. That's a great Wonderful thought for preachers. Uh, we get to travel all around. We were with a pastor this morning, 
and after the service. Now, this pastor is a very good pastor. And he is doing a wonderful work. But after the service, two people, I want to talk to you. Okay, let's go back into the office. They sit down, and immediately the husband begins accusing, attacking the pastor. Why do you have such a nice car? Why do you have to live in such a nice house? Why do you have some things? Now, the fellow who was making all the accusations, he was retired, had a beautiful home. I've seen his home. He had a beautiful car. But why should a pastor have those things? And pastors go through a lot. And the stress and the grief, when you call them, they're there. When someone has a death, they're there. When someone has a need, they're there. And the cost to a pastor is very high. But he willingly does that because of God's call on his life to be the under-shepherd of his sheep. And Jesus, in this story, there's a promise. Whatsoever thou spendest, when I come again. What did Jesus say when I come? My reward is with me. He has a reward that he's bringing. And when I come again, I will repay thee. I'll pay you. Now Jesus looks at the man and he says, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Well, obviously the man's going to answer the, the one that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said unto him, Go thou and do likewise. You go out and you do the same thing. You go out and you look for those who are in sin, burdened by that sin, and you bring to them the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, what is the will of God? That was a lesson we looked at this morning in the church where I was and I preached about the will of God. What is the will of God? Well, the will of God is that no one would perish, that all would come to repentance. That's the will of God. God would just love for every person to get saved. We know Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a wonderful promise that you cry out to God. I remember one time I had a deaf man came to our church there and he came to the altar and he knelt and was praying at the invitation time. And I didn't know him. I'd never seen him before. He was dressed nicely. After the service, I said, uh, is there something you know that you need to talk about? You knelt here and you prayed. He said, can I talk to you? So we went into the side room there. That's her Sunday school room that she talked about. And he didn't know that if he was saved. He didn't know. So I began to witness to him. and Came time to pray. And I never like to tell them to copy me. I, they've told me what their need is. I'm not God. Tell the same thing to God. And God will save you. And so he began to pray. And he began to repent of his sin. He started naming some things he'd been involved in that the Holy Spirit had convicted him about. And then he just stopped. And 
I was wondering, I, you know, he just stopped praying. And then he began to weep. And then with a, a voice of a deaf person, not clear, but he cried out, Oh, God, save me. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you know, then Paul follows that up in the next verse. How will they believe on him? You know, and how will they call upon him? And how will they hear without a preacher? Well, who is a preacher? That's you and me. To go out into our communities. You know, some people think, well, God never called me to go to a place uh, like South Africa, like you, or to some other countries, or like the uh, Brazil, as the Peppers you're going to have next Sunday night or next Sunday. God never called me to go to that place. Well, that might be true because God puts every one of us where he wants us to do his will. Well, what is his will? It's telling people the good news that Jesus saves. That there is the precious blood of Jesus Christ that can wash away all of our sin. That there is God, the Holy Spirit, that can come inside you and transform you to become a child of God. And then help you every day to learn to walk in the fellowship of God. That God the Father has not abandoned us, but He's provided everything we need to be back in fellowship with Him. So this is a wonderful story. But you know, it doesn't help if we don't go and do thou likewise. It requires an obedience on our part. So wherever you are, there is a sphere of influence that you have. So be there. Be there for those who need you. Be there for those who don't know that they need you yet, but they still need you. And be ready, as Peter said, to give an answer to every man who asketh of the hope that's in you in meekness and fear. So be ready to do that. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and to challenge you tonight. I ask you to pray for world missions. There's a great need. As we see around the world, most missionaries are getting more and more gray hair. And we don't have a lot of young people rushing to Bible college to learn to be missionaries like we used to years ago. And it's sad because I'm wondering who's going to go to those countries because we, we are winning the people of our age and younger than our age there. Now we're going to pass on. Who's going to take that over and start winning those other generations? So please be in prayer about that. Father, we thank you for this time that we have to be together. Thank you for this.